0: in the Transvaal and Zululand by H. C. Adams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Ingrid Kennedy from Rockhampton, Queensland in Australia. Chapter 1 School was just over. The boys belonging to Arlingford College poured out onto the playing fields, the juniors tumbling over one another in haste and confusion, as though the premises were on fire behind them, the seniors strolling leisurely out or gathering in small groups near the school door to arrange the plans for their afternoon dr stanfield the headmaster still remained in conversation with reginald Margots, a connection of his wife's a young man of two-and-twenty who was passing the oxford long vacation at his house and he had come in with a message from mrs stansfield one of the assistant masters also george rivers by name sat at his desk looking over some exercises of which he had not completed the revision he was near about margaret's age a well-built young fellow with an intelligent and pleasant face well that will do reggie said the doctor you may tell mrs stansfield that i do not know and cannot conjecture who her visitor might have been But if he is to return in half an hour, I shall be in the library ready to receive him. At present, I must have a little talk with George Rivers here before I leave the school. I am going to walk with Rivers pleasantly, sir, said Margots. Shall you be long? A quarter of an hour, I dare say. George will join you when we have done. George, he continued as Margots left the room i have looked over the papers you have sent me i intended to have this conversation even if you had not invited it it is time some conclusion was come to you have not i fear received any fresh information i am sorry to say i have not i am sorry too but i hardly expected anything else you are i think more than one-and-twenty two and twenty in a few months sir indeed well there ought to be no further delay in the arrangement of your plans for the future do you not think so yes sir and i believe i have made up my mind what have you resolved to do before i go into that dr stansfield i ought to thank you for the great kindness you have shown me i should be a pauper or something like that but for you, we need not speak of that. Go on. Well, sir, I feel that I ought not to remain longer in England. I have already trespassed too long on your bounty. If that is your reason for leaving England, you'd better reconsider it. Whatever might have been the case three and a half years ago, you are not costing me anything now. Your assistant mastership, small as the salary is with what you have of your own is enough to keep you and you fully earn it you have i believe once or twice expressed to enter holy orders it has been my wish for some time past sir very well you could not be ordained for more than a year before that i think i could arrange with the bishop for you to be ordained on your mastership here there is not so much difficulty made about his title as used to be the case you are most kind sir i hope you will not think me ungrateful but i feel it to be my first duty to find my mother and sister if i can i cannot blame you but i should like to know what steps you mean to take i understood you to say you had obtained no further information no and i do not expect to obtain any further information so long as i am in england but if i were out in australia it might be different what do you propose to do then well in the first place to work my passage out to australia to swan river you know ay to dolby's point to which it was ascertained that your mother went when she landed in australia but you doubtless remember that we ascertained two years and a half ago that she had left the colony and had gone some said to tasmania others said to cape town but no one has ever given us a clue by which we might discover the place to which she had already removed that is so but if i were on the spot i think i might be able to hunt out information which no one who was not as deeply interested as i am would be able to obtain you may be right in that well suppose you went out and succeeded in finding mrs rivers what then then i should buy land a small farm a little money goes a long way out there you know sir then when i was getting on pretty well i might be ordained by one of those colonial bishops and do clerical work combined with farming it isn't the same kind of thing out there i am told as it is in england there are no large populations except of course in the towns which take up a man's whole time you are right i believe a number of educated and zealous men supporting themselves by their own industry and yet having the power of ministering to their neighbours would be a great boon in the colonies I would willingly lend you all the assistance in my power towards carrying out your scheme, but as I have already said, I am afraid I see but little hope of learning what has become of your mother and your sister. I do not see much more, but I think it my duty to make the trial. Be it so. What money have you? Enough to pay my passage to Australia, sir, that is, as a third class passenger. If I should prefer that to serving as a sailor on board one of the steamers, and perhaps a hundred pounds over. I think you must go as a passenger. It might prejudice your errand when you get there. If you had been before the mast, we must contrive to get you a letter of introduction to one of those Australian bishops. I'll give him one, exclaimed a voice. I know two or three of them well as I know my own brother dr stansfield started up in great surprise what rogers he exclaimed are you the visitor whom mrs stansfield told me to expect i knew you were coming to england but not so soon as this to be sure i am i was told you would be out of school by a quarter past twelve at latest and now it is half past and you are still there we had forgotten the lapse of time said the doctor but tell me what has brought you to england so much earlier than was expected the rows with the Boers and the zulus said mr rogers i have come home partly at the request of many of the leading men in natal partly because my own interests were deeply concerned to try to induce the government to put matters on some satisfactory footing I had better leave you, sir, had I not? said George, rising. You can speak to me further at another time. Both the gentlemen turned and looked at the speaker, whose presence perhaps they had forgotten. Ah, uh, Oh, yes, said Dr Stansfield. I will bear what you have told me in mind and speak to you about it in a day or two. George bowed and left the room. Who is that lad? inquired Mr Rogers i don't suppose i have seen him before his face seems strangely familiar to me no you can't have seen him before rejoined the doctor smiling unless it was in a dream he has never been to south africa you know i think i have never left it since he was a child no i have never left the transvaal unless to visit cape town or zululand or natal for twenty years I wonder you knew me, Stansfield. But to be sure, you were expecting me before long. But as regards this lad, has he any relatives in the transvaal? His mother and sister may be in the transvaal for all I can tell. They left England some years ago, and the place where they are living is quite unknown. What is his name? asked Mr. Rogers. Rivers answered the headmaster george rivers mr rogers shook his head i know no person of that name he said it must be a mere chance resemblance but i should like to know his history for some reason or other he interests me well i can tell it to you now said the doctor sophia will not expect us until luncheon-time and that is not for another half-hour yet sit down in that chair and you shall hear it george's father was a country doctor he lived in this neighbourhood and was a very estimable man and skilful in his profession but very poor he married farmer wylie's daughter a well-to-do man and able to give his daughter agnes a very comfortable portion particularly as she was his only child but he set himself against the marriage forbade it for several years and at last only agreed because he saw nothing could change his daughter's mind but he would give her nothing more than a hundred pounds to buy her wedding clothes and help her furnish the house a country doctor's practice is not very profitable and mr rivers though not an extravagant was not a saving man they found it hard work to live still harder when their children began to grow up george was born to them two years after their marriage and thyreza two years after that thyreza did you say interposed mr rogers suddenly yes thyreza said the doctor it was an unusual name but i believe it was her father's fancy well mr and mrs rivers got poorer and poorer he had sent george to college here The lad was clever and hard-working, and he obtained a scholarship which went a long way towards paying his schooling. But Mr. Rivers called upon me one day, when George was between sixteen and seventeen, and told me he could no longer afford to pay even the slight cost of his son's education. He had had an interview with his son, he said, and had told him the truth. I was interested in the lad and told mr rivers that whatever school fees there were would be remitted in the case of his son the poor man was very grateful but when he reached home with the good news he found it had come too late the boy had disappeared and no one knew whither it was not for nearly a month afterwards that a letter arrived saying that he had resolved he would no longer be a charge upon his parents scanty means He had therefore gone on board a ship bound for Australia. He meant to work his passage out there before the mast, and when out there, hoped to be able to find employment to keep himself. As soon as he reached his destination, they should hear from him again. Missus Rivers brought me this letter in the hope that I might be able to assist her. She was wrapped up in this boy, and his departure had nearly broken her heart we could bear anything she said to me if only he was with us i promised that i would write to the owners of the ship in which he had sailed and make arrangements for his return to england on the earliest opportunity but a series of misfortune ensued, which i have often wondered that she survived first of all there was a terrible fire by which mr rivers's house was burned to the ground no life was lost but there was heavy loss and what was worse mrs rivers was severely burned one arm so much injured that it was thought for a long time she would lose the use of it and the scars on her wrist and thumb will never be erased mr rogers again started and was on the point of speaking but he checked himself and allowed the doctor to go on before she had recovered from her wounds came the news that the boomerang in which george had sailed had been wrecked the crew had taken to the boats some of which had landed safe on the australian coast but others it was feared were lost mr rivers could not bear up against this continual current of misfortune he took to his bed lingered some weeks and then died that his widow did not speedily follow him has as i have already intimated always been a matter of wonder to me i think the necessity of living for the sake of her daughter was the only thing that bore her up she was left of course quite penniless i had the not very pleasant task of calling upon old farmer wylie to inform him of his daughter's destitute condition The old man had turned more and more against the match as it became evident that the Riverses were not thriving in the world. Mr. Rivers had felt hurt and affronted at the language used by his father in law, and for the last few years all intercourse had been broken off. It was now necessary to apply to him. I rode over accordingly, but found I had gone on a bootless errand old Wiley himself was dangerously ill and died within a few days never having recovered consciousness when his will was opened it was found that his whole property had been bequeathed to the county hospital there was a small sum which belonged to his wife which it was agreed might be made over to his daughter it was enough to pay her husband's debts and to leave her a couple of hundred pounds she resolved with us to emigrate to australia that was a strange resolution was it not under the circumstances remarked mr rogers i think it was but she had reason for it she fancied that her uncle christopher who had gone thither many years before might still be living there i believe too that the sight of the familiar scenes around her associated as they were in her mind with her husband and son were more than she could endure at all events she went and arrived safely in the colony she wrote to apprise me of it but i never heard from her again nor have i ever been able to discover what became of her except that she left australia soon afterwards and what of george then asked mr rogers had become interested in the narrative he returned to england about six months after his mother's departure the boat in which he had left the boomerang had been driven out of its course and had at last reached the island of timor thence george obtained a passage to singapore and thence again home he came to me in great distress his father's death and his mother's departure from england Had been terrible shocks to him. His first thought, of course, was of immediately joining his mother, wherever she might be. But I pointed out to him that it would be better for him to wait until we could learn more of her movements. All that I had heard at that time was that she had left Australia soon after her arrival there, her uncle, Mr. Christopher Wiley, having gone somewhere else, though no one seemed to know where probably however she would write home again meanwhile inquiry might continue to be made george who was now nearly eighteen had better re-enter the college for a year a small legacy left him by a relative would enable him to pay for his board and the school fees we remitted he agreed to this and continued in the school for a year and a half after which i found him some employment as an extra junior master he has continued his studies and is now a very tolerable scholar and has he ever discovered his mother's present residence never a friend in swan river to whom i wrote made every inquiry but could only learn what i have already told you that mrs rivers went away soon after her arrival she had discovered some clue it was thought to her uncle's new place of abode but even that's conjecture and what does the lad propose to do with himself asked mr rogers he will not i suppose remain here much longer no he will go away at midsummer he wanted to go at once but i urged his remaining until the end of the half-year indeed there are preparations which must be made before undertaking a long voyage he is going to australia then yes he thinks that although mr wellstead's inquiries failed to elicit the required information he himself might be more successful i don't agree with him but it would be hard to discourage him and if he finds his mother and sister then he would buy a little land with what remains of his cousin's legacy and settle in the colony with his relatives combining farming with a clergyman's work a clergyman's work has he a fancy for that yes a very decided one he is one of those who are anxious to do good but who combine it with an impatience of settled habits of life and a thirst for novelty and adventure i do not know how to blame him he has all the qualities that would fit him for the course which he desires to enter he is resolute intelligent and ready capital at all field sports and outdoor exercises capable of bearing considerable fatigue and hardships without murmuring and withal extremely affectionate and right-minded whatever purpose he might conceive he would be pretty sure to carry it out and unless under very exceptional circumstances successfully indeed said mr rogers then he is certainly the man for the colonies well stansfield i have not interrupted you because i wanted particularly to hear the whole of your story but you will be surprised i think to hear that i not only know the place where young rivers's mother and sister are living but am myself personally acquainted with them with Mrs. Rivers and her daughter? exclaimed the headmaster in surprise. I thought you just said now that you knew no one of that name. Nor do I, said Mr. Rogers. But I do know a Mrs. Manson, the wife of a Dutch farmer, who lives at one of my farms, only a short distance from my station. She has a daughter named Thyrsa Rivers, whose age corresponds nearly with that of Thyrsa of your story that's an uncommon name said the headmaster still there might be two persons so called no doubt but you said the mother had been disfigured in the hand by a severe burn mrs manson is a handsome woman past forty but she has just such a scar as you describe on her wrist but i understand you were to say her christian name was agnes yes said dr stanfield i'm pretty sure it is but, anyway, it will be in the school register. Yes, he added, taking a book down. Here it is September the twenty fourth eighteen George, son of George and Agnes Rivers, admitted well, then, I think there can be no doubt of the identity, said Mr. Rogers. Mrs. Manson's name is certainly Agnes. She had occasion to sign her name before me as a magistrate a twelvemonth ago, and I remember it perfectly. Mrs. Manson, too, had lost, or rather believed she had lost, her only son at sea. Well, this simplifies matters, I think, considerably. I conclude this young fellow will give up all idea of proceeding to Australia and betake himself to Manson's place, Spielman's Flay, as it is called, instead. Spielman's Flay, repeated the doctor, is that in Natal or Zululand? It is in neither. My station, Umvalosa, is just on the very borders of the three countries, Zululand, Natal, and the transvaal and Spielman's Fley lies a short distance only to the northwest in the Transvaal. It is one of the places which my chaplain, as I call him, Lambert, continually visits. ay, his visitations are rather different, I expect, from those of our parochial clergy. Very different. There are at least a dozen places around Umvelosa which, but for him, would be wholly without spiritual care. He visits these in regular order as well as he can, but some of them only get to service once in two months or so. Unless there is some special reason, such as someone on his deathbed wanting him, he is unable to visit them oftener. That must cause a good deal of spiritual deadness. Observed Dr. Stanfield, they must soon forget uh, all about his visits. Ah, so you in England fancy, but nothing can be further from the fact. If the parson's visits were looked for in England, as they are in my neighbourhood, the English church would be in a very different position. Our people never forget the day when Mr. Lambert is due, they will come a long distance and in all weathers to be present at the services. But that's human nature after all what a man can have for the asking he cares little about let it be ever so valuable what he can only get by taking much trouble and incurring great risk that he appreciates but this has nothing to do with young rivers i think i ought to see him and tell him my conjectures or rather i think i may say my decided convictions as to the identity of his mother with mrs manson of course returned the doctor he must judge for himself but it appears to me to be a clear case well but there is something further if he is convinced that i am right he will i conclude set out shortly not for australia but for south africa no doubt of that dissented the headmaster in that case i shall make him an offer Which I hope he'll accept. I told you it was the political aspect of things that brought me home a month or two sooner than I had originally intended, but I had other reasons besides. I wanted to get one or two young men who would take situations as schoolmasters and readers, who might ultimately be ordained and serve in churches out there, which I believe I can contrive to get built. Now this lad seems to be the very person I'm looking after. I would put him into a small farm, which he could cultivate with the help of some natives, and there would be a salary enough to keep him until the farm began to pay. That would all soon do if he was capable and painstaking, as by your account he is. He is all that. I can answer for that if any young fellow is more likely than another to succeed in such a position it is george rivers very good if he engages with me i shall undertake to provide his outfit and pay his passage to durban and from thence to Mfilosa. but he must make up his mind at once i must leave this place for london to-morrow you'd better see him without loss of time He was to go out for a short walk with his friend Reginald Margots, but he will be back by dinner time. I think he will probably accept your offer. I will certainly advise him to do so. Dr. Stansfield proved to be right in his anticipations. George was at first inclined to be somewhat sceptical as to the identity of his mother with Mrs. Manson, and also made inquiries as to the man who, according to mr roger's theory was her second husband he was told that ludwig manson was a very worthy man well educated and much respected george would find him a desirable relative he was not rich but in good circumstances he and mrs manson were generally thought to live very happily together as regards himself mr rogers knew that his mother had never ceased to deplore his death which she supposed had certainly occurred and that his reappearance would be like a new life for her if george had had no other reason for accepting mr rogers's offer this would have been sufficient to induce him to do so in fact the desire of meeting her again grew so greatly on him that it was with great difficulty that he could bring himself to consent to the delay of five or six weeks which mr rogers had declared to be necessary for making the required arrangements his passage was taken in the Zulu Queen, captain rank and commander a large vessel carrying cargo to durban And taking a few first class passengers at a lower rate than was usually charged by the great steam companies. About a week after Mr. Rogers's departure for London, Reggie Margots came to Rivers with a letter which he had that morning received from his father. All right, he said, old fellow, the governor has given his consent like a brick as he is. Given his consent to what? reggie inquired george with surprise to my sailing with you for durban in the Zulu Queen?" answered Margots. i hoped from the first that he would but i said nothing about it until i was sure you go to the transvaal reggie exclaimed rivers what should take you there oh i have always intended to go out to one of the colonies there is nothing for any one to do in england you know And it would be very jolly having you for my messmate and fellow-settler. It would be very jolly for me anyway, said Rivers, shaking him heartily by the hand. I really think the thing is quite perfect now. Chapter one.